Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the Nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back. Welcome to, I don't know if you've been here, if you haven't been, but this is the Nightcap. We are always here at 5 p.m. on CBS Sports Radio 1140. And we have a full hour ahead of us tonight, just like last week, because you know what? There's just too much darn hockey to discuss, uh, especially in your Golden Knights and our little fandom here in Las Vegas, because guess what? Weekend, we have two games. We have a back-to-back. We're we're in the second round of the playoffs. We're we're winning games. We're 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 finding ourselves. You know what? We go two and zero. We put both of our goalies in our nets, and we find ways to win in two different ways. And we got to explain and break down all of that because your Golden Knights are one win away from the trip to the Western Conference Finals for the second time in their three years of existence. Never before heard of. Never before seen. But there is still one more game a few more periods, and quite a few more shifts to get to that point. But that's what the nightcap is for. That is what we are here to do tonight. Paul is going to join me in a few minutes as he's kind of getting things set up as the brand manager that he is. He's got many hats. He's putting on a little bit different one than we are. But my hat here at CBS Sports Radio on the nightcap is to provide hockey analysis, especially when we're talking about goaltenders, because that's what I played back in the day and still uh, rock the soul for. And, and that's what we're going to do for you guys tonight. And as I said, the Vegas Golden Knights went 2-0 and on the weekend. They're facing the Vancouver Canucks this round to take a 3-1 to one series lead. Uh, they will be playing tomorrow night, Tuesday, I, I believe around 6.45-ish, so around 7, uh, to see if they're able to eliminate those Vancouver Canucks in five games or, or six games. I don't know. All of the games, all I know is that we won two this weekend and that we're looking to win our next one. And the great thing about the Golden Knights and what we've seen from them all season is their ability to win games in different ways. They won, they, they shut down the, the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday, winning that game 3 to nothing with Robin Leonard in the net. And then last night, they beat the team 5-3. to Marc-Andre Fleury t- turns in a heck of a performance, especially through the second period when they were taking a lot of penalties. Some warranted, some not. Uh, but still, inevitably, finding a way to end up on the W side of the column in the score. And that's what this team and teams with the goals that the Golden Knights have, which is a Stanley Cup, which is you got to find different identities that you can win the game with. And even if you're not the team in the, in the driver's seat the whole time, as long as you're able to execute and to kind of weather the storm through whatever you know game is kind of unfolding in front of you and you're able to find wins that's only going to bode well for your confidence not only for the next game and your p- potential elimination game against the Canucks but that's how you build confidence through the playoffs through rounds through different opponents because you're te- constantly testing yourself and dealing with different adversities and just finding different ways against the same type of opponents. Right, that, Paul? That's about experience, and that's what comes with experience in a team. Again, you're talking about a young team just in terms of history, but a team that is veteran when it comes to making multiple playoff appearances, and I think that's mm-hmm. what the Knights have going for themselves is that they don't find themselves, even when they're down on the scoreboard to the most extent, and we can you know, call you know, call game two what it was, was Vancouver kind of realizing it could pick a little bit. They scored first. Right, and, and pick on the big brother a little bit more, that that has reversed, and the Knights have figured things out, and 
again, that's just veteran experience. That's mm-hmm. being able to, and again, yesterday's game, last night's game was much different because it was a battle back and forth in the first two periods. But again, the Golden Knights came forward. They didn't get down on themselves. They managed to battle out of it, give Marc-Andre Fleury a win, put up five goals, and you know, three of those five, of course, coming in that short span of less than six minutes, and, and doing the dirty work again, reminding everybody of what this Golden Knights team is, a team that was built to contend for the long run, especially in the playoffs. And now that we've entered the bubble, we figured things out. It's a healthy team. It's a team that's got its head straight, mm-hmm. and they figured out what they need to do. And really, again, it's about just kind of putting away yet another opponent up three games to one and having 24 more hours to think about it. Exactly. And and that's the thing, because in as, much, as crazy as game two was in terms of the Vancouver Canucks' ability to kind of turn that entire game and, and feeling around that game on its side, in game one, when we, I forget what the score was, like four or five to not, like it was a crazy good game. It was one of the most complete games that they played. And one where you're seeing scoring at the different levels and from the guys that you expect to score, like Max Pacioretty, like, like like uh, uh, Mark Stone, like Shea Theodore, that we're all learning to to always include with our score sheet. That's a very all of these developments have been brewing for a while. But then when you get broken down by the series, when guys get notes on you, when you when you get to familiarize yourself with your opponent a little more, and that's one of the crazy one, one of the kind of hidden silver linings of the playoffs that make it really tough. Is that when you play against the same people night in and night out, they learn your little tendencies. They learn which side you like to prefer to approach the puck with in the corner. They know that Mark on. Andre Fleury or Robin Leonard are weak at this point or this type of situation. And it's your ability to get that information, possibly do some things with it, but also flush it away if things aren't going your way. And that's the thing with the Golden Knights is that they have the ability and they have the ability to come at you in waves. That was apparent in game one. And it was very much apparent last night uh, when we're just getting scoring from all over the place. You had Max Pacioretty, who had two goals. You had Chandler Stevenson finding uh, the back of the net for the second time this playoff season. You had Nate Schmidt finding the back of the net in the early of the third period and really the goal that I thought was the back-breaking uh, play that really set up the rest of the thing. And then William Carlson, who we always like to kind of bug him about being quiet, but we the thing about centers and, and, and about William Carlson specifically in his game is about staying quiet and doing the little things that might keep you off the score sheet, but he gets rewarded last night when you have that up and down your roster. John Merrill, first game he's played in six months, found the score sheet last night, and that's what makes the Golden Knights different from everyone else. An incredible amount of balance that you see on this team in the postseason, being able to being able to get contributions for a number of guys. Riley Smith has had the quietest eleven points, I think. Yeah. To be honest, I just it, you just kind of go, oh, oh, Riley Smith with an assist. Yes. Okay, there Another it is. Another three. Yeah, right. It's oh, there it is. You know, Mark Stone is turning in his typical Mark Stone performance. It's why he makes the big money. It's why he's leading this team. Mm-hmm. You know, just in terms of points and, and production. And then we've seen the emergence of Alex Tuck in the postseason, which you know we 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 caught glimpses of uh, throughout the regular season. Hurt though, up and down. He could never quite get that rhythm going for himself. But in the playoffs, he's a completely different beast and has turned himself into a very potent option for this Golden Knights team. Absolutely. And the, and the goal that he opened up scoring with on, on Saturday I think is pretty much the, the textbook kind of illustration of the confidence level that Alex Tuck is working with right now. And as you said, with contributing in ways that we're not used to seeing from him at least this year. And for him to go down, basically win the foot race on, the, uh, on your own blue line and split the D and win that breakaway. And then guess what, Jacob Markstrom? You have an excellent glove hand and you make, uh, you make yourself look really, really good. But you know what? That's also where I like to shoot. I haven't thought 
thought about shooting, you know, less than a foot below the, the crossbar since peewee hockey. So I'm going to go right at the spot that you're good at because it's also the spot I'm good at. And I'm going to beat you on it in the opening minutes and set the tone. And and as you said, with Alex Tuck, with with the injuries, he, he lost 10 pounds going into this playoff season. The the way that he's built and the way that he likes to play his game as a power forward are if things are going well, he's going to be the best guy you have running. But if things are not going well, he's going to be a huge liability. And that's where you kind of found him in the regular season. Some of it uh, of his fault, some of it not. But when you have him on the third line and you're playing against the the back pairs of the defenders and you're, it's such a mismatch in talent level. That's the type of goals. Those are the type of wins that you need to get in the playoffs because most of the time those top two lines are going to be canceled out or be t- tired out. And so he, it, there's just so many pockets of talent on this Golden Knights team that find different ways to rise to the occasion. Sometimes guys don't rise when, when you would like them to, but for the most part, their ability to pick each other up and, and to bring this team forward it looks a lot a lot easier for them than it did earlier in this this season and that's when we had fans in the in the arena yeah this is this is a team that you know has Again, we, we've talked about the depth, and there's an incredible amount of depth on this Knights team. And when I see Tuck, it's interesting. When I see him skate, he, he looks like he's out of control, but he's not. No. Because it's this giant body that maybe you're just not used to seeing that. And we talk about how you know how good of a skater Ryan Reeves is. Mm-hmm. But Alex Tuck has that same kind of fold and that same kind of 100%. mold. 100%. And as he goes charging down the ice, I kind of fear for if you're an undersized defenseman with him coming at you, you're kind of like, okay, if I don't get some something on this guy, he's just going to take it straight at at goal, and I'm not going to have anything to do with it. And I think that's the one – I mean, we talk about X-Factors, and he's one of those guys. Every playoffs has one of those guys, Mm -hmm. and he feels like that guy to me. Again, when I see him skate, it looks like he's just barreling like a freight train. looks effortless in a way. But ultimately, it's turning into into incredibly positive results for the Knights, and when you're you're talking about an ailing match patch ready for a while, you're looking for somebody to step up, and Max is only played eight games in the postseason and Paul Stasny who has a very underwhelming uh postseason here, you know, who's played in 10 games. He's mm-hmm. doing, Paul's doing kind of the... He's a centerman. The, yeah, he's doing kind of the everyday work, but he's not, his line's not seeing the production that, you know, you would want. If we're and, complaining and we're about the fact that Paul Stasny nit, isn't getting on the score sheet, that means we are, exactly. And and just like Alex Tuck's game, the rest of the Vegas Gold Knights draw their confidence from the physicality and uh, in, in their individual play and as a team. And when you're imposing yourself as heavily as they are against the Vancouver Canucks, and then getting the goals, finishing, and then obviously making them make mistakes and then letting them know about it. It's easy to see how these little grooves are found for your Vegas Gold Knights and how they're able to weather through games like last night when they're almost in every statistical category being outplayed by the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, they Vancouver went two for five on the power play last night. The Vegas Gold Knights went one for two. They, the Vancouver Canucks out hit the Vegas Golden Knights, but sometimes it's not about how many hits you do. It's about where you do it, how you do it, and how you're utilizing those parts of your roster. Giveaways, luckily the Vegas Golden Knights had fewer, but 21 is still pretty high compared to what their totals are usually. And uh, obviously, takeaways, block shots, penalty minutes, all in the favor of the Vancouver Canucks. And that's why when you have the depth that you do at the third line with Alex Tuck and the fourth line, which has found its way, or, or found the ability to produce at the rate that they have, especially in the postseason, it's so, so important to have that confidence in each one of your lines. And 
all having different ways of getting the job done, all having way, different ways of capturing or recapturing momentum that help you in games like last night where it easily could have gotten away from the Golden Knights considering the chances that they were giving up to guys like Elias Patterson who capitalized on his first one in the first period in that power play goal when he just beat Marc-Andre Fleury with an absolute laser short side. But Marc-Andre Fleury, knowing the competitor that he is, and he's probably still a little irked with the fact that you know he's not getting as much net time as he usually does, he didn't back down from Pedersen when he came down on a on a on a truncated breakaway. He didn't back down on him later on in the, in the second period when he made that unbelievable save. You know, in the slot from his knees, recognizes that he needs to push over to his crease and have that recovery slide with that glove hand forward as much as you can. You know, we always make we always kind of joke about Mark Andre Fleury making saves in that in ways that make him you know look unathletic, look really unnatural. But that's the thing when you have the ability to contort your body in the way that Mark Andre Fleury does, you you just give yourself that little extra percentage point or two to make the save. And as long as the effort is there, that is all about the goaltending and, and what you really need to do. And really about the Golden Knights in general, that these guys, no matter who's in the lineup, whether it's Merrill, whether it's Holden, whether it's, you know, Mark Stone getting the job done, whether it's Max Patch ready, that everybody is willing to pick up the lunch pail for their teammates and to adjust their game in the game if necessary, because not everybody can be the goal scorer all the time. Not everybody's operating at their full capacity as a player or their full confidence. You know, these guys are human beings too. But the malleability of a, of a team is the most important thing in the playoffs. And that is one thing the Golden Knights have done throughout this entire restart that it continued to do and what they're going to have to do tomorrow night. Because, you know, as, as much as the last two games have looked really good for the Golden Knights and throughout this entire series, it is super, super hard to beat a, a one single team team three games in a row, let alone in an elimination game. This is a young team that has had to really grind away at the playoff road. Remember, they didn't just beat the St. Louis Blues. They had to beat the Minnesota Wild to even make it to the next round to play the St. Louis Blues. So they've been in that playoff mindset, in that bubble, in that isolation period you know, for so long, and it's not like they had a super strong season to begin with. They were obviously in the conversation, clearly a much better team than we probably thought, but they had to work through a lot of ebbs and flows. They had to work through a lot of adversity, especially when Jacob Markstrom had to leave the team for for a period of time, just like how Marc-Andre Fleury did early in the Golden Knights season because both, unfortunately, had lost their fathers. But when you have that type of season that's draining and, and don't have the resources that the Golden Knights have, it sooner or later there comes a point where it's just not enough. And the Vancouver Canucks might be there, but I don't think so. I, I think it's going to be really tough for them to for, for the Vancouver Canucks to, to bow out tomorrow night. I think there's going to be another game, but you know what? Vegas Golden Knights, as we've been talking about these last few minutes, have shown the ability to win, win in different ways, have shown the ability to find that kill switch, especially in the third period, and that's the thing. This is the toughest game to win is these elimina- elimination games because, trust me, that other locker room is going to be ready to go. Their season is literally on the line, so you need to at least match their energy, if not supersede it. And uh, otherwise, you might find yourself on that loss column. And we've seen that so far in the series. If you score first, that bodes well for your team's ability to win. And hopefully we'll, able, we'll be able to match the energy that we brought to you here on the first segment of the nightcap. In the next few minutes, we are going to be talking about the 3-1 to series lead pad and how that might be a little bit different this year, especially in the bubble. And then upcoming at about 5.35ish, we are going to talk again to Jeff Patterson from TSN 1040 Vancouver. Uh, he joined us last on last week's nightcap to talk about the Canucks. So we'll get his thoughts on the last couple games this weekend as well tomorrow night's first elimination game uh, 6.45-ish on Tuesday. So we'll get into all that and so much more in this hour of the nightcap. So stick around. We'll be right back on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Sending you off to the naughty chair. It's the nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. 
Welcome back to the Nightcap. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host always and forever, and I'm joined by Paul Eihander, my trusty, uh, fearless leader on the Playmakers, and uh, in the meantime, co-host here on the Nightcap. But you're holding your own, Paulie, Joe. You're quite a hockey expert yourself, and even you know what the da- most dangerous lead in hockey is, right? You know what that lead is, right? One nothing. Nope, it's not that one. Two one. Nope, it's not that one. Three nothing. No, it's not that one. Listen, I'm gonna have to break into Spanish at this point if you don't just. This give is it to true. Me. Well, some people would like to say it's a two nothing lead, but let me tell you what, Paul. It's actually the three to one lead, and that is the lead in the series that the Gold Knights have over the Vancouver Canucks. That is the lead, uh, the series lead that all teams have in the in the postseason this year, and that's a little weird to me, Paul. And I don't necessarily think it's coincidental. Although it kind of is, because we know how random hockey can be, but we know about the environment that these guys are playing, and we know how dead it is in the arenas, and how well, usually the team that brings the most energy is able to sustain it, not just on the ice, but on their bench, usually has the favor in terms of who's going to win that game and who's going to lose. And so I think these 3-1 to one leads, as, as, mo- as much as that is the most dangerous lead in hockey, because you only have a two-goal cushion, you think that you're all good, but actually it's not, because if the other team gets one, guess what? They're only one away from tying it back up. But in terms of this year and in terms of series scores versus in-game scores, I think it's going to be a little bit easier for teams to close teams out than it usually would be. But whether or not that actually comes to fruition, we'll have to see. But what do you think about that, Paul? In terms of playing tired and in terms of playing from behind, I think it's always challenging no matter what it is. Three to one holes are very difficult to dig out of just no matter what. Just mm-hmm. And the lack of the lack of just having the the crowd to feed off of, the lack of you know having you know star players returning, that can only happen on so many occasions. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from behind is such a challenge because you're you're pressing. You have to press to get there, and you always feel like that if you don't th- that that certain part about where it is like yeah we need to stick we need to play our game and stick to the game plan and things like that. There's still that added momentum. Like you can't always go into it without having the expectation that you know what the other team's going to come with that same approach too. Right. It's not like they're altering anything different. Going, you know, the Knights aren't going into Game Five. Going, you know what we can afford to give this one up. Right. So you're, you're even, you know, if they're down four nothing, it's not like they're going to stop playing in this in this game. It, it, you know, it, with a one nothing lead, it's like ah, oh, there's five minutes left. We, you know, what we don't have to play as hard. That's not how it's going to work. No matter how it is, they want to, the Knights want to close out the Canucks. The interesting part about the Canucks is is that as they've made their way through the bubble in terms of you know, the playoff appearances and dispatching the Blues, obviously, which mm-hmm. is momentous for them, that they are still while they're probably feeling a little bit of pressure knowing they're up against a limit. There still has to be one of those just kind of in. I know it feels a little happy go lucky, but it has to be one of just kind of those approaches to where this is just the moment that we're in. And it's a game five and we know we're in this moment. So let's just kind of take it all in. And what happens, happens. And we're going to get the dub because we know how to get wins. See, that's the thing about a team. It's not a 3 nothing; It's a 3-1. The Canucks know how to get victories. Yeah. The thing is, they're going up against a team. Yeah, that has faced a monster amount of adversity, has played in two consecutive playoff series, and has a real hunger and has an get, inside lane on in the get, track to get back to where they want to be because they know what the end game is and they're not going to settle for anything less. And yes, it is the playoffs. Yes, it is the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. But for the Canucks to go into this thing and go, we're going to win the whole thing. I'm not sure if it was reasonable as much as it was just kind of hopeful. 
Well, you always have it in the back of your mind that you think you can win the whole thing, but it's not necessarily at the forefront. You got to stay in the moment, and that's hockey and sports and really life in general. A lot of our anxiety and stress gets you know put upon us by thinking about things in the future or things that we did in the past, and that's why that short-term memory is so important, especially with hockey and how momentum works, because if you get too wrapped up in the game within the game, kind of how the Golden Knights swindled the game one, uh, that you get away from that identity that you're looking for. You get a, you're sending your energy into an area and to uh, an aspect of the game that isn't nearly as productive and actually takes a lot more out of you for you to even stay engaged and then play as well. And that's what the one thing that the experience does for the Golden Knights and that urgency as well, because a Stanley Cup final birth or cup or less like it's that's not good enough for this team and like you said Vancouver dealing with much more of a Cinderella story but when you're when you're in that moment as a Cinderella type of team it's very easy even though you're down three to one what if they come out tonight or tomorrow night and have a really convincing victory much like they had in game two where it's completely shifted and it's just because they were able to find their rhythm their identity and their team earlier we saw how everybody reacted game two oh my god we are we gonna pull Leonard are we gonna do this are we gonna do that what are we gonna do is this team but guess what? This is later in the series as well. And so they're and you've also given them momentum. You've given them belief that even despite with their back against the wall, that they're able to find themselves and, and to beat the Goliath in the matchup. That's what I'm scared of. And that's what players have to be scared of. But that's for, you know, at 10 p.m. tonight. But that can't be in your mind when the puck drops, when it, when you actually play. And, and and that's the thing. It's just this huge kind of psychological experiment. And that's nothing new to hockey or playoff hockey. But I just feel like everything is so amplified. And maybe it's just because it's because there's no fans. You, you have to generate all of your feelings on your on your own. And you have to understand them as well. Those are that's a two time job, right? Well, that's just getting inside your own head, too. And, okay, you so know, Well, no, it, it, this is, well, no, what I'm saying is is that you're just talking about playing important hockey games at this point, where mm. you're treating every game as important. You know, at this point, right. you don't really have a lot of choices. The surprises are over more than anything else. But the pressure's not, I mean, Vancouver's going to have pressure. It's clear. I mean, yeah. They're, they're the only win? Canadian team left. Right. Do they want to win the Cup? Absolutely. Yes. Do they want to, do they have to come back and win the next three games to do so? Yeah, that's a tough order. It's a tough task for anybody. Three in a row. We've talked about how difficult it is to win three games in a row, which is why game five is so incredibly important for the Knights Mm -hmm. to get past and push past Vancouver, because who knows what's going to happen? You know, one one lucky bounce. We talk about puck bounces. We talk about the luck. Yeah. Talk about things happening. These are all important hockey games. There's no doubt about it. For sure. Coach Pete has this has this crew ready to make sure they know the importance. Game two kind of didn't feel like they felt it was important, to be honest, because of how game one went. Everybody screwed their heads back on. We all, every fan, every Golden Knights fan went, ah, Robin Leonard, ah, Marc-Andre Fleury, and entitled and and reasonably so, Mm -hmm. because it was an egg. It was the goosiest of eggs that was laid by the Knights. They came back. They responded appropriately. They did so in Game 3. They did so in Game 4. And they took a Vancouver team that had kind of fresh hopes and fresh spirit and kind of crushed them. Yeah, absolutely. And but that's the thing when you when you're crushing that team as consistently as you are and just to kind of make this wall that the the Vancouver Canucks are going to attempt to climb even a little bit bigger is as you move through the series as you get down, you start shortening your bench. You start relying on your star players like Elias Pettersson, like Bo Horvat, like JT Miller and as you start playing those guys more, expending the, that energy. But that's like you said Paul, if they're able to catch lightning in a bottle, just think of how reinvigorating that is, especially for those top guys that are already playing a ton of minutes especially 
especially on special teams, which was very, very present last game, and already dealing with the role that they've had in the last month and a half. That's why it's especially dangerous for the Gold Knights to kind of waste any time and, and, and to take a little bit of a step back. And I wouldn't expect them to do that. They don't go into the game and be like, yep. We're all good. We got three more games to eliminate this. We'll just let this one unfold as it goes. But like you said, bounces happen. Hockey gods happen. Good goals are scored. There's plenty of good talent on that Vancouver Canucks team. But the way that the Knights are doing this, they're stretching them out. And they're figuring ways to find those lanes to the net. Honestly, we're about 19 minutes from if the Canucks drop into full defensive mode. This is a 2-2 series. Mm -hmm. They had a 3-2 lead. This yeah. was a three to two lead, and if you read Vegas Golden Knights Twitter, of which they are incredibly clever, and I do enjoy them, yeah, it is like literally watching somebody with the wildest of mood swings when that happens. When this team goes down, a, a, I mean, literally, they start digging out social media references that are nearly incomprehensible. Right, because who's pressing now? Who's pressing? You can go into those defensive kind of shutdown moves when you have that. Should lead. they have done that? Should yes. va- should Vancouver 100%. have totally just kind of closed ranks and formed like a like a giant bubble around Markstrom and just said, you know what, just try to keep shooting, keep trying to plow into our line because they do this in soccer. Soccer teams mm-hmm. with leads go into defense if they know they don't need to press. It's just what it is. They fall back into that mode. Now it's very tough to do over a long stretch of time. And mm-hmm. to be honest, the Golden Knights have a lot of offense that's really difficult to stop. But if they went into full defense mode and just said, you know what, for the next 19 minutes, we're just going to try to protect the puck as opposed to attack their goal. Right. Maybe this is a two to two series. Sure. But situationally, you have to look at it, too, of how many, you know, they had three power plays the Vancouver Canucks had in that second period, the last coming at 1622. So with about four minutes left. So as much as you could say, like, yeah, they need to shut things down defensively. Their power play sucks. Well, two for five is not bad. And their power play doesn't suck. It hasn't been as good as as uh, as profitable as it usually is but in terms of again talking about which players are you using who's getting the shifts are you going to go play defense and try to shut things down when you're supposed to be on the advantage and this is your third advantage in a row and so if things are it gets wonky then guess what you go into the intermission and then three minutes into that period nate schmidt comes out takes a one-timer bomb beats markstrom blocker side moving from his right to his left and one that he should have had and that's the thing you can you could have all of the things going for your favor but if you don't capitalize on at least three quarters of it, or if you're not able to get in a more of a sustained rhythm, sometimes that much power play can be counterproductive for you, especially if it's not going as well for them. And two for five, it's still pretty darn good, but not to the point where they needed to for a team that was, you know, in the point of the series that they were down two games to one or whatever it was. And and the team that is the lesser of the two, the little brother, the David of the group, they need to make sure that they're capitalizing every, on every single one because they need all the extra energy they can get and they need every sap of energy to be going away from the Golden Knights because they keep finding ways to generate it, whether that's through physicality, talking a lot of smack, or scoring big-time pretty goals. It's just, it comes from all these different ways, and as I was saying in the first segment, sometimes it just comes to a point where it ends, it's just too much. I just don't know if we're at that at that point yet in this series, but the Golden Knights are going to try to close things out, but there's still plenty that Vancouver can try to do to stop them, and actually, we're going to try to get some insight on that in just a couple of minutes. Jeff Patterson is going to join us on the other side of the break from TSN 1040 Vancouver to discuss those Canucks and all the things they need to clean up to make sure that their season does not end on a Tuesday and the first day of September. You're listening to The Nightcap with Lindsay and Paul on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Your Monday Night Power Play, The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. 
5.35 p.m. on the dot. You're listening to the Nightcap. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host always and forever, and I'm joined by Paul tonight. And uh, also joining us right now from up north in Vancouver, TSN 1040 Vancouver to be specific, Canucks reporter Jeff Patterson. Jeff, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. There's plenty to discuss. Uh, the, the Vegas Gold Knights took a 3-1 to one series lead last night with a 5-3 to three victory over your Vancouver Canucks. And I, I know I don't want to I don't want to have everything summed up into one little tiny bow because that's not how hockey is played or really, you know, broken down. But if you had to pick one thing uh, that really led to the Vegas Gold Knights victory last night, what is it and why? Well, I think the Canucks missed a golden opportunity, pun intended, I suppose. You know, take a lead to the third period and have a chance to tie the series at two, and some of the wounds were self-inflicted, just defensive miscues and breakdowns. They had to be better in that third period, obviously, and we see this with the Golden Knights, and you guys have seen it, uh, you know, really since their existence, that quick strike capability. Like, the Canucks broke down for five minutes, and Vegas scored three times, and instead of Vegas trailing and having to push for the equalizer as that third period rolled along, they go from trailing to having the lead, and then it was the Canucks that were trying to play catch-up at that point. You look at both the games over the weekends, too many men on the ice penalties, you can't be doing that at this time of the year. And to Vegas' credit, they cashed in on both of them. So, you know, just a lack of communication, a bit of a brain cramp, if you will, on the part of the Canucks. you got to play smart hockey. And it just felt like there were some self-inflicted wounds. Vegas is capable of beating the Canucks. We saw that certainly in the 5 nothing series opener. We've seen it in three of four games now. So the Canucks can't aid the Golden Knights' cause. And I just thought the Canucks were a little sloppier than they Ought to have been. They played hard. I, I like the response from a 3 nothing shutout loss on Saturday. If people thought that the Canucks might go quietly, I think they showed up and they showed Vegas that they were game and, and up for a fight. But hockey is not a 40-minute game. You don't get a prize for having the lead after two periods. you got to see it through to the end. And so, you know, if the Canucks could find themselves in that situation again in Game 5, I'd be curious to see how they would go about protecting their lead in the third period, but I give Vegas credit. The the way they spread the scoring around, the scoring depth has been evident throughout this series, and it certainly was on hand there in the third period last night. Yeah, I I agree with you. I thought Vancouver was playing a really good game through two periods. I thought maybe even a too much power play time in the second period is just hard to get in a groove. It's hard when you have the the talent pieces that you guys have between Patterson and Horvat and, and Miller and Toffoli. All these guys are playing these increased minutes on top of, you know, increased special teams. And honestly, I thought Patterson, you know, after he scored that first power play goal in the first period, you know, he wait, he just hesitates just a half second before blowing it by Mark Andre Fleury. I'm like, uh oh, I do not. I want to see how this game is going to turn out for him. But I really think it, just a couple minutes later, Marc-Andre Fleury was able to stand tall and challenge him on another kind of grade A scoring chance. Do you feel that Pedersen was robbed a couple nights by, by some timely saves at Marc-Andre Fleury that we've you know come to expect from him? Well, certainly that one you talked about in the second period. That's one that Elias Pedersen would almost always bury. But you got to give the goaltender some credit, too, in that moment. And so... You know, it was funny. A lot of talk on our pregame show up here was, even though Marc-Andre Fleury is this decorated goaltender and has been the face of the franchise in Vegas, and we know what he did in Pittsburgh and has this amazing resume, he'd only played twice in the bubble. And for the Canucks to get to see Fleury in Game 4 with the Golden Knights going away from a guy that had shut them out twice, the, the Canucks had to see that as an opportunity. And that's with all due respect to Marc-Andre Fleury, but he hadn't played much in this return to play. And so who really knew where his game was? And to his credit, 
you know, he's a pro through and through. Everybody knows that. And, you know, he was able to get the job done. Was he perfect? No. The Canucks got three goals on a lot of nights. You get three past the opposing goaltender. That should be enough to get you a victory. And it wasn't, again, because Vegas can outscore uh, its problems. But I, I thought Marc-Andre Fleury was good when he had to be in that save-off. Pedersen was certainly one of his best. And, and that's where I come back to the Canucks had opportunities to extend their lead. They did well to take the lead in that second period. But they had another power play after Toffoli had scored on the power play. You know, the Canucks have a blueprint for success most nights. It's getting better goaltending than their opponent, and it's their power play going to town. Well, their best player showed up. They scored twice on the power play, but that goaltending that has carried them uh, in the bowl and really all season long, you know, Jacob Markstrom is okay, and okay goaltending isn't going to cut it behind this Vancouver Canuck team. So whether it's Leonard, whether it was Marc-Andre Fleury last night, I would imagine that they go back to Leonard for a chance to eliminate the Vancouver Canucks. You know, the Golden Knights are getting better goaltending, and that's just not part of the, the blueprint for the Vancouver Canucks to have success. So, you know, they're going to need Jacob Markstrom probably to be heroic in Game 5, and if there is hockey beyond Game 5, you know, it may be as far as Jacob Markstrom can carry this hockey club. And that's you're leading me right where I wanted to go to next with Markstrom because I think he has had to be near perfect in so much of this season, especially through the restart in this bubble because you guys do have a really talented team, but obviously the depth is starting to be a, a real issue here. And when with Markstrom giving up the goal he did to Max Pacioretty last night to start things off, to get beat five-hole, and then really the goal that, for me, broke the back, and obviously it's a little bit more uh, obvious now, but that Nate Schmidt goal, which you're able to see yeah. all the way in, he's not able to snap those elbows and then seal off that midsection. That's really the the way that at least I judge goaltenders and their ability to read the plays in the game and how they're feeling about themselves physically and confidence-wise. It just seemed like he didn't have that extra sharpness that we would expect from Markstrom that we've seen from him so much. And so do you think that's more of just the wear and tear of, of them riding him because he is really the only big-time goaltender that the Vancouver has on their roster? Or is it could be something else? Because it's just he's expected to do so much much for this team and sooner or later the buck has to stop right yeah and look we knew with the days off last week and the rejig schedule that it was going to be a compressed second week of this series and there were a lot of people that thought can the Canucks find a start for Thatcher Demko in here Jacob Markstrom so clear cut the starter for the Vancouver Canucks the number one guy and look they'd come off a win on Tuesday it was a one-all series it was unlikely that they were going to turn to their backup with a chance to go up 2-1 and put the pressure on the Vegas Golden Knights. So I wasn't surprised that Markstrom played both games and got the start in both games on the weekend. I guess if there was a surprise to me, in hindsight is what it is, that when it was 3 nothing, when Stone scored on that power play early in the third period on Saturday, I thought maybe there was an opportunity to get Markstrom out and just allow him to decompress and start focusing on game number four. And you could have allowed Thatcher Demko to have some mop-up duty as they did in, in the series opener. But Travis Green, you know, he and Markstrom go back to their days in the American Hockey League in Utica. They went to a American Hockey League championship series back in 2015. So, you know, there's a pretty healthy relationship between coach and goaltender. And I'll trust that Travis Green has a better read on you know, where Markstrom is and how much he wants to play. And, and in those situations, sometimes goalies want to stick with it and see it through with their teammates. They don't want to look like they're bailing on their teammates. So whatever the case, 
you know, Jacob Markstrom has been a workhorse for the Vancouver Canucks, but you look around these playoffs and all these Golden Knights went to Marc-Andre Fleury last night. We saw the Philadelphia Flyers go to Brian Elliott. We've seen the Islanders switch goaltenders. And Jacob Markstrom has started every game for the Canucks, and the only moments that he's had off were the mop-up duty in game number one uh, over a week ago. So he's played a lot. He's played well for the Canucks to get them to this point, but I come back to the, you know, we haven't said it often in Vancouver where you leave a game and you say the Canucks needed a few more saves, but that was the case of the goals you pointed to you know the team that scored first has won every game so Pacioretty on the power play got uh, the lead that the Knights were looking for even though the Canucks came back and took the lead on their own and then that Schmidt goal you know the Canucks just they had to get through the first five minutes of the third period and sort of build their confidence and wear down the clock and for Nate Schmidt and Schmidt had a great chance moments before he scored it just kind of felt inevitable on that shift the Canucks were running around in their own zone and you know one thing that we're really seeing in this series is becoming evident is the depth of the Golden Knights, both at the forward position, but maybe more so on defense. And coming into this series, uh, like I liked Vegas' forwards 1 through 12. And the fact that they had two starting goaltenders, you know, that's a luxury that not many teams had. I thought if there was an area the Canucks might be able to sort of pick away at Vegas, it was on defense, but... Uh, I'll give the Golden Knights blue line a, a ton of credit for the way that they have played. Shea Theodore has just been an absolute delight to watch and, you know, a guy from the Vancouver area. So I think we're all aware of what he's capable of. But to see him on a nightly basis and he leads this uh, series now in scoring with seven assists and just all over the ice and his skating is uh, it's incredible to watch him do the things that he's doing. The Golden Knights have 15 points from their defensemen. The Canucks only have two defensemen that have chipped in with any points in this series. So, you know, Vegas comes at you in waves. It's not just the forwards, though. The defensemen are active. They're mobile. They get up into the rush. They can create odd man situations, and and we've seen them strike in that way. And so uh, I give the Golden Knights credit uh, defensively. I think they've been a little bit better than maybe I thought they would be. And then, you know, the other issue up here, all the talk on talk radio in Vancouver, is the Canucks don't have a single point in this series, four games in, from anybody outside of their top six in the forward group. So their third and fourth lines have given them nothing. And you've seen what Alex Tuck's done. You see Chandler Stevenson score last night. You know, the Golden Knights are spreading the scoring around, and the Canucks just can't match. And in playoff series where a goal here or a goal there can make such a massive difference, like the Stevenson goal last night looked like it might be a big one to give them a 2-1 lead. You know, so there's been some timely goals. Tuck has been terrific in this series. And if that doesn't change, then it's hard for me to see a way that the Vancouver Canucks can claw their way back into this series. Yeah, Jeff, I, I don't see how there's an argument against Shea Fedor becoming a household name in this year's playoffs. And it's not like we didn't see that kind of brilliance from him, but I think what you're seeing is how important an acquisition of somebody like Alec Martinez's stature is and how that can affect a young player with so many gifts on the offensive side as a defenseman. If you take some of those worries away and have a solid, more stay-at-home guy who can score, but will do most of that, you know, uh, tried and true bread and butter defending and, and always have your back if you want to pinch and jump up at the play it's only just going to get better from there and when like you said there's not a lot of points in the depth especially from the back end with the Canucks and that's just goals are adding up more in one column than the other so so tell me Jeff what kind of game do the Canucks have to play tomorrow night to stave off elimination other than being the first team on the board well that would certainly help I just think when you've got your proverbial back to the wall if you don't get the start you're looking for you know it makes the night that much tougher and you know jokes aside 
it's got to start with a goal because against Robin Lehner, they haven't scored many, right? So if it is, in fact, Lehner tomorrow night, they got to find a way to beat him. They can't let him get in their head, even though he has been terrific uh, when he's in, been between the pipes. So I, I think the start for the Vancouver Canucks, I know they talk about their forecheck, and I think they would probably go back. They'd be wise to probably watch some film of game number two when they got the quick start that they were looking for, and then they built on it. They didn't sit back. Bo Horvat scored, you know, to fully open the scoring a minute and a half in, and then Bo Horvat scored on the power play. So, again, it, for me, it's a pretty simple checklist just because I've been around this team all season long. They're going to need Markstrom to be dialed in and better than whoever the Golden Knights go with in goal. They're probably going to need a power play goal or two along the way. Their best players have shown up in this series. They, you know, Bo Horvat has three goals. Pedersen's got four points. Toffoli's got four points. JT Miller's got four points. So I come back to the fact the best players have been there for the Canucks. They're up for the fight. It's just that, you know, you can't rely on two or three guys. It's a team game. And so, now, we were having these same talks in Vancouver at this point of the St. Louis series. And in games five and six, the Canucks got some depth scoring. And lo and behold, they ended up beating and eliminating the St. Louis Blues. So, look, it's a tough climb. There's no doubt. I know Vegas hasn't lost three in a row since uh, they fired Gerard Gallant. Like, that's how far back you have to go to find the last time that, you know, they really were in any kind of rut. And... And they don't look like a team that's prepared to lose three in a row right now. So I certainly wouldn't be betting on the Vancouver Canucks, but I, I, I think I am expecting the Canucks to come out with a similar start like they had last night to, to be engaged. I don't think they're going to go quietly, but we've seen in the bubble, you know, in that play-in round, only Columbus and Toronto went the distance, and in the previous round, no series went seven games. Like, there aren't many teams that are coming back when they're down, and you wonder about the psychology of having a foot outside the bubble and knowing that you might get to go home and see your family and friends and all those types of things, and if any of those thoughts are creeping into their minds, then they're not focused on the task at hand. So, uh, certainly not suggesting the Canucks are going to go quietly, but uh, we'll see how it all plays out tomorrow night, and uh, it may very well be the end of the line uh, for hockey here in Vancouver for this season. Well, one of the best lines I ever heard from one of my coaches was first you got to get good, then you got to get better. The the Vancouver Canucks will for sure have to live by that tomorrow night as they try to uh, stay alive in the bubble as they uh, are right up against it. Uh, the elimination 3-1 to one series lead for the Vegas Gold Knights over the Canucks. Thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us and uh, really looking forward to tomorrow night's matchup. I don't think it's the last one. Well, we'll find out, but I hope it's a good hockey game. Thanks again for having me on. Of course, Jeff. Uh, goodbye, Jeff, and uh, thank you. That's Je- uh, Jeff Patterson from TSN 1040 up in Vancouver. You can follow him on Twitter, at Patterson Jeff. Just a couple more minutes left here on the nightcap, so let's get to the break so we can get you a couple more. Right here on CBS Sports Radio 1140. The nightcap. That's a uh, night with a K, as in Golden Knights. Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. Oh, final few minutes of the nightcap here. Just like Shakira said, you can listen to us back whenever, wherever you are via that radio.com app that you for sure have downloaded to your phone already. If you don't, App Store or Google Play Store, download it, search out the nightcap, include the D, it's important. And then hit that little favorite button in the upper left-hand corner. And then sharing is caring because, you know, we're trying to make money moves up in here. And so we're looking for friends that are looking to share some hockey knowledge with others. And you know what? Vegas Golites are a pretty darn good bet in this playoff season. Wouldn't you say so, Paul? 
Yeah, that over-under has been five and a half for the most part. So, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't think, you know, Saturday's game fell a little flat, but I thought it was going to be a tighter game too. So I was thrilled with the outcome on Saturday just as a better because I def- I did not think they were going to go over five. Last night, I wasn't quite sure they were going to go eight. Yeah. To, you know, to eight goals between the two teams. I really didn't think it was going to go that far, but, you know, I thought both teams just on the back-to-back were going to be a little bit more fatigued. Yeah. I think tomorrow, again, I think I'm going to take the over if uh, I, haven't, I haven't checked it again today, but it's probably still sitting at five and a half. And if it's at five and a half, I think I take the over tomorrow. Well, given the amount of power plays we saw in just last night's game, I feel like that's probably a good line of thought to kind of follow and and where the bread and butter is made on the offensive side for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, Jeff Patterson said as much that so we just got through talking with him uh, for the second straight week. And in uh, your Vegas Golden Knights, just find a way to score in bunches and, and in different ways from different people. And that's what makes them so dangerous and uh, such a tall task in terms of a defeat for those Vancouver Canucks because there just might not be enough magic left in those legs and uh, especially if the Vegas Golden Knights are feeling themselves like they are and you know Robin Leonard hasn't let in any goals and Marc-Andre Fleur looked pretty damn good last night so whoever we put in I'm feeling pretty comfortable and pretty chill about uh, game six tomorrow or whatever game number it is. Five. Five. Yeah, look, 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 for, look forward to the dub and you know the interesting part about it is is that you know we haven't because of how balanced the score sheets have been for the Knights we mm-hmm. haven't had to see that spectacular you know two goal you know three assist performance not seeing those big explosions we're just seeing that shared offense how crisp they've been again game two a total anomaly for this team but they've had one of those games in each of its playoff series mm-hmm. around Robin was just kind of the big warm-up you know no pun intended for Robin Leonard the panda yep uh, but you know it feels like this team has some genuine momentum and they're going to need it going into whoever they end up facing in the in the Western Conference final. I think, you know, they're it's, you know, the series leading up to this point, while they haven't been cakewalks, they certainly haven't, you know, they they have come with their challenges and the Knights have been been able to overcome some of those obstacles uh, that have been uh, that come with playing in the bubble, but right now looks pretty good. Looks pretty darn good. They come in waves. We score from the forwards, we score from the defense and guess what? No goals against for us, but we will be here back next week for the nightcap. Thanks to Paul, thanks to Mark, and thanks to all of you hanging out. Until we see you guys again, be well, stay safe, wear your damn masks, and go Knights. Bye! Everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.